Hey there, Jilted Indian Podcast listeners. It's Miranda. And Pooja. And we come with love and courage to bring you a special bonus episode relating to... Well, we're calling it You've Gotta See This Movie. Yes. Movies. Yeah. You've Gotta See These Movies. The gist of it is, is that I saw a movie and I was like, Pooja, you gotta see this movie. Pooja was like, well, you gotta see this movie. (laughs) So what we decided to do was swap the films we were suggesting for each other and see it. Um, of course, more time has passed since I saw the movie I was saying you got to see, which is Lulu Wang's The Farewell. What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. The man is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. We have to go to China. Wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her. He's my only cousin. Do you think I should be there? You can't hide your emotions. If you go, then we'll find out right away. Shouldn't we tell her? Isn't that wrong to lie? It's a good lie. Most families in China would choose not to tell her. And same, more time has passed since, since I originally saw Gurinder Chadha's Blinded by the Light. First day, start at the top and stay there. Stay away from the girls! Don't you want I want to be a writer, but my family is stuck in another century. Writing isn't a job. I need you to do more. Bruce is the direct line to all this true in this shitty world. Seriously, what does he know about our world? You should be listening to our music before you start getting confused and hating yourself. You think that this man sings for people like us? But he talks to me. My dream was to come here and work hard for my family. If you don't try to fix this, we will lose our son for good. My hope is to build a bridge to my ambitions, but not a wall between my family and me. After see a visit, I'm going to see Bruce Springsteen's hometown. I can't think of a better reason to visit the United States than to see the home of the boss. Two Asian creators who are women. Who both wrote, although Gurinder had co-writers, and directed these movies. Um, and both based on true stories. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's also incredible. And We've been talking for a while. I think you've heard in our previous episode, we were talking about the downplay of human suffering. And, you know, when we come up with the idea for a an episode on Jilted Indian Podcast, we mull around for a while on some of them. And I think when we were deciding to do an episode on how um, Indians repress and push down their suffering, they don't even talk about it, or they say, oh, it's nothing. We thought, wow, what an experience that is that we are all super freaking familiar with. At the same exact time, these particular films happen to be out. And I, you know, saw Farewell and I was like, holy shit, Pooja. 
Yes. So before we go any further, I will um, play Andrew's role. She's not with us today. And I'll give us some uh, background information. So this is the summary given by A24, which is the producer and distributor of the film. In this funny, uplifting tale based on an actual lie, Chinese-born, U.S.-raised Billy, played by Aquafina, reluctantly returns to Chang Chun to find that although the whole family knows their beloved matriarch, Nai Nai, has been given mere weeks to live, everyone has decided not to tell Nai Nai herself. To assure her happiness, they gather under the joyful guise of, expedited we- of an expedited wedding, Uniting family members scattered among new homes abroad. As Billy navigates the minefield of family expectations and proprieties, she finds there's a lot to celebrate. A chance to rediscover the country she left as a child, her grandmother's wondrous spirit, and the ties that keep on building, even when so much goes unspoken. All right, and then the next film is uh, Gurinda Chadha's Blinded by the Light. Javed is a Pakistani teenager who experiences racial and economic turmoil while living in Luton, England in 1987. He writes poetry as a way to escape the intolerance of his hometown and the stubborn views of his traditional father. When a classmate introduces him to the music of Bruce Springsteen, Javed sees parallels between the singer's powerful lyrics and his own working-class environment. Springsteen's melodies soon inspire Javed to find his own voice and follow his dreams. First of all, thank you for suggesting that I watch this film. I loved it. I learned a lot of things. I absolutely adore the friendship between Javed and his buddy who introduced him to Bruce Springsteen because I, I mean, I connected to that right away because how many of us have been introduced to the fav- like our absolute favorite things in life by friends and our friendship with those people made stronger because they introduced it to you and that's just what it is and and there's an understanding between you and that person and you know uh it it kind of just trails off into other things like hey i'm also having this shitty experience and here's what it means to me and i don't know it just kind of uh connects to other areas of your life and it just makes that friendship stronger so i really really love that about that movie and and especially when it comes to like parents just don't understand and you know it's just really funny i'm sorry of that horrible accent i just i tried thought it was to, pretty good uh, and, <laughs> and luton luton is what they say like i really luton. yeah i just read luton <laughs> luton i don't know anyway their um friendship was probably one of the most meaningful things to me and there's also just the element of the idea that these first generation or second generation uh, British people, you know, uh, or some of them are just Pakistani British. I loved that they had this secret life and the way they talked about their secret life. And this plays into that whole Don play a suffering thing, how they were like, it's easier not to tell mom and dad that I have this life. Like, it's not important that they know. We did a whole episode about lies, two parts about lies, that it's easier just to lie. (laughs) It's just easier to lie. Like, they don't need to know these truths about us because there are just anxieties they'll have and, and never let go of should they know these things, right? Um, Really, really cool that they put into the story 
how very badly the father does not understand his love for Springsteen and his love for writing and just that, that divide. It's so, okay. First I want to talk about how I love how Gorinda Chadha, and if you've heard that name before, it's because she is the director of Bend It Like Beckham. Yes. And um, so this is based on a true story. And in the uh, spoiler alert, I forgot we should say that we were not good at editing as we go. So spoiler, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert for both these movies. Uh, but do please do go see them. I, they're probably coming straight, you know, about ready to go to the streaming services because they're not in the theaters anymore. Mm. So, or it's hard to come by them. Anyway, I love how Gorinda Chadha. Um, you know, you were saying, Miranda, that brown boy friendship and how important it is and how real it is and how emotional it is and how it's based on bonding through vulnerability. And I think that's needed in the community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ne- It needs a model. And here you have this model, right? And at the end of the movie, you find out they're still friends. Yes. And, and so, oh my God, that warms my heart because I'm not friends with everybody I grew up with. You know, and so I think that's amazing. And okay, so I want to talk about some other similarities between the two movies. So Lulu Wang's The Farewell is based on a lie in her own family. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the movie, you find out that Nai Nai is still alive, right? Yeah. So it's been six years since the initial diagnosis, knock on wood, thank yeah. goodness. But um, okay, so you have uh, the story that's rooted in immigration. And the thing with... Um, Okay, so the thing with Blinded by the Light is it's it takes the imprint of a, an angel story rebelling against your parents yeah but to to bring in the representation element to it to make it unique it's rebelling against your immigrant parents so you have a thing for um, foreigners to 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 the culture to observe and to latch on to. It's like, yeah, stand up to your parents, live up to your, you know, live true to yourself, you know, be true to who you are. You have that element, but then you have on our side of the fence, being of the community, you're like, there's layers here. Yeah, Yeah, I saw the movie with a 100% white audience and there were parts where I was gasping or laughing and why would anyone else get it? It was a movie for us, or it was a movie that we were meant to connect to, uh, which I think we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, is like being able to see yourself in a film is just, for us, it's a gem. It's a, it's a, a gift. It, it is, and I think, I think um, when you say us, you can use the giant umbrella of maybe immigrants, because mm-hmm. I think... If you, you know, just being acculturated to your new homeland, if you're coming here as a child or born here to parents who were not Mm -hmm. and coming here as adults, that struggle is real all the time. And so you have in Blinded by the Light, you have this immigration um, in a new land story. And, you know, compare that to The Farewell where you have the American Chinese going home to China and you have the Japanese Chinese going home to China and you see like there's these threads of things that you recognize as an immigrant person, the shitty Chinese-ness because both parents, the Japanese, you know, Chinese, the Japanese Chinese and the American Chinese taught, apologize that their children suck at speaking Mandarin. Yeah. So like that's a universal thing. And so, you know, like I think... 
the stories appeal to a certain community the way like the Joy Luck Club appealed to every Asian woman our age. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because you're just like mother-daughter angst <laughs> with rooted in legacy and the ancestor shame. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. God, I, I'm, I could write the book on that. Yeah. Like, it's, I got to connect that to Blinded by the Light where the dad, I mean, the dad brought them there for a better life, right? But here he was failing to do so. You know, he lost his job. It was a huge let go at the plant. And you see in the film every day him trying to get a job, him trying to find a posting. And, you know, he's asking his son, you need to pick up, you know, you need to do your part. I'm sure that cultural divide just kind of like, kills him because like how normal is it for everyone in the family to contribute to the family's livelihood and how you know how much does that kid absolutely not understand that I wouldn't understand that if I was a kid you know but he saw the dad saying where's your money give me your money that sort of thing and um, man just like that cultural divide again it broke my heart when the dad was like, I should have never come here. Like when they were experiencing the racism and... Oh, let's talk about the racism. Ooh, my God. Let's talk about... I think this is the first time I've seen something from Gorinda where this is so overt. Like as a white person watching this movie, you have to confront it. Like it's... you. I mean, you have to because it's put right there for you to confront. There's levels to the racism presented right there's microaggressions Mm -hmm. tom dick or ali there is the overt racism with the graffiti packy out Mm -hmm. you know and then there's kind of like the that dinner scene was uncomfortable for me so uncomfortable like my daughter likes to bring home shocking boys and i was like motherfucker yeah and, and it's something that's universal it's like look at get out in the conversation in the opening scene and you see daniel kaluuya asking um his girlfriend did you tell them i'm black you know mm-hmm. and she's like they won't care they would have voted for obama three times yeah if they i voted could. for obama three times with the dad yeah so. so it's like that thing it's like that thing where you understand where the microaggressions are regardless of your ethnicity Except if you are not somebody, if you are somebody who has privilege, you would not. And yeah, so you're forced laughed. to confront it. They, yeah. fl- they, they, when the dad said she likes to bring shocking people, what's shocking about whatever mm-hmm. the, um, Caucasian audience, they laughed. It would be shocking for them, or maybe it would be shocking for their parents. So it was like, kind of like a reminder to me of, oh, yeah. I, somebody who looks like me wouldn't belong in your house. That yeah. That kind of thing. That's what that brought up. Well, I mean, and it was overtly brought up with the... White oh, supremacy march. Yeah. Basically. It's like the tiki torch thing all over again. Mm-hmm. You see that. And and so that makes this film even better because it's like a cultural zeitgeist film that applies to the time then in England because they, they put that up against the mining and the unions and all that stuff. Currently now, human rights violations left and right, yeah. climate change things. And so there's some white savior stuff here. It's done in such a way that you see the paternalism behind the people doing the things, mm-hmm. right? Like the neighbor thinks yeah. he's doing a good thing but gets Javed in trouble. And then the teacher... You know, it, but that's a teacher story, right? Teachers yeah, bring out the, the best. And the girlfriend. And the girlfriend. Like, the, it was overt, 
paternalism and, and it and was the best friend and the best friend. And so, but there's things that are very cultural in there and, and how the Brown woman, the mom has to uphold the family. Oh my God. She Can tried to talk about that. Like when they were having to sell her things, I was sobbing and not only selling her things, it was her sacrifice that kept the family afloat and all for what? appearances appearances that's it and and the thing the thing that that was just like here's how shitty i don't want to i want not all men okay but here's how shitty her husband was and and he was blinded by his own ego in half this movie the the mother works as a seamstress instead right. of telling the lady no our prices are now this because he's desperate for income, they increase her work, which devalues her hourly, you know, her, her labor that she had to sacrifice so much. And she was an advocate for her son's emotions and feelings. And there was a family wedding to deal with. And so she had to do all, all the things prepare for that because what's the dad doing being sullen, (laughs) you know, they do show him dressed up looking for jobs and things. And, and that's to show the desperation of the times and all that. I, well, maybe it was meant to be that way, that you see the father as a human who's fallible. Yes, I did, like, I saw him in that part where he cries in front of his wife. Oh, my God, I wrote that down on my and notes. And I was just kind of like, do all brown dads have this moment where they break down and cry in front of their wives? Because that would make a lot okay. That would make their toxic masculinity and patriarchal, aggressive patriarchal bullshit diminish in my mind a little bit and and i i mean yeah i can see that but part of me i feel like i don't know if it was done intentionally if all the things that the mom sacrificed came um you know like she had to take on more work she wasn't getting sleep you can see how she's getting tighter as the movie progresses and then she had to sell her jewelry and then and then now she has to comfort this man who can't put his ego aside to me i was just like this woman is stronger this is why women live longer shit right here because they keep getting up despite all these things i'm just so i'm de-energized thinking about what this woman went through and it's based on a true story right yeah and on top of all that she had to get her daughter married i wasn't sure if that was her daughter or cousin i wasn't it was her daughter her daughter yeah so and then okay so here's the cultural part that had me sobbing as i left the theater oh chava earns money and buys his mother's bracelet back for her he buys her jewelry back for her he gets it back from the pawn shop and and what and he slipped it on her hands and and just i'm so emotional thinking about it it's just such an indelible part of brown culture you know you know the symbolism of a woman's bangles right it's her finery it's what you know essentially it's a gift from her mother mm-hmm. you know and the grandmother it's like an ancestral right for a brown woman to have these bracelets that you wear from you know birth to death essentially um I don't know. I was just, I was so moved by that. And I thought only yeah. a brown woman could deliver yeah. that, you know, cause that may not have been in the story, but that was a beautiful touch. I mean, I was crying my ass off at yeah. the end of this film. And it was just, I don't, it was for nothing else other than just connecting with that particular story. Having had my own experience in this country just kind of being stuck between the two. Like I'm just trying to make it right. 
So I want to do whatever it takes to make it. And here's this thing I connect to, and I connect to it very hard. So I understand Javed's selfishness. Yeah. I understand him wanting to put himself first and what he's interested in first because this other way is not working out. This other way is not working out. Perfect segue to farewell because here we are with who? Lulu Wang, who is, she was trying to get a fellowship at the Guggenheim in this story. And, you know, everybody's asking her about it. And it's so nutty to me because, like, I'm like, when I was trying to make it as a trumpet player and trying to make it in the college teaching career, they all knew what I was going for. And it was like, how is it going? Are you full time yet? Are you this yet? Are you ready? And I was just like, I don't want to answer any of your questions. Shut the fuck up. Get away from me. And yet, please support me. I'm trying to make it in this career. Like, I get her character so much. Okay, so Lulu Wang's direction um, of this movie, it's it's different than Gorinda. Gorinda had, like, a kind of... She built tension in every scene. And I feel like Lulu Wang, it's like there's tension there, but there's a build, mm-hmm. right? It's a slow build to one big tension-filled breakdown. And with Gorinda's film, every scene had some kind of tension behind it right yeah yeah i think this was hilarious so okay so we open on this movie and the guggenheim thing is happening and she got rejected she got rejected and simultaneously i mean she's talking on the phone with her grandmother and you you find out later the grandmother is at this hospital and her sister is actually receiving her terminal diagnosis. And I knew because you had recommended to watch this movie and you already had the episode in mind about um, downplaying trauma. I took a lot of notes every time I saw trauma being downplayed in this movie. So immediately you have, we never find out if it's Nainai's, no, it's Nainai's younger sister. Mm -hmm. So Nainai's younger sister is like the extent of her dealing with the fact that her sister is going to die in three months according to the doctor. She looks at a wall. She, we, oh, we see her in a corner, and she takes a deep breath and wipes her face and walks out, and that's when we see Night Eye was on the phone with Billy, played by Aquafina. And so, I mean, that, that's just like something you can relate to if you have family in different countries. The, you know, like you see things being downplayed immediately, but then, I mean, on the back end, you also have like overdramatic things and so the overdramatic thing is this fake wedding that we have to endure and oh my god the the oh my god the woman playing the the bride the fiance the cousin's fiance is japanese and so she only speaks japanese and so i would love a sequel to this movie (laughs) from her perspective because shit was crazy so You know, the lie, the lie. And her, yeah, this lie was just like, you know when they say you lie once, you lie twice, you lie again and again and again and again. Um, And this was a perfect example of that. And just, it was nuts because the, like at the crux of the whole film is the, we don't suffer like that. We, it was like, they were like, we don't do that wussy shit where you cry. And it was so funny because like, there's a scene where they hired a crier (laughs) at like the anniversary of the death, right? Right. Like where they all went to the grave of a family member and they had this woman that was like, JJ's just like, just wailing and just looking super, super just broken. 
and it was a hired actress. Yeah. So, uh, okay, there's so much to talk about here. Okay, so just off the bat, Lulu had a little, she had a lot Chinese-specific cultural touches to this movie because I remember sitting there at a couple moments thinking to myself, that wasn't for you and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that resonated with somebody. A couple things I noticed. One was that um, the mother wears blue and white. Mm-hmm. Billy's mom wears blue and white in almost every scene. And the colors of the wedding are blue and white. And so if they're Confucian and judging by the, the graveside memorial they went to, I, I assume they are, that's the color of mourning. So it's like signaling subtextually you know, what this movie's about. It's actually about mourning, coming to terms with mortality of their matriarch, right? And I found that beautiful. Mm -hmm. But also, like you were saying specifically, um, Billy's mom outright tells her, when my dad died, I wasn't allowed to break down. You know, you know, I wasn't allowed to break down. I had to cry the perfect amount to know that how much I loved him. Right, and as she's saying, as she's doing the speech, I'm thinking to myself, I'm watching it in the sense of like, this is so stupid. She should know. As the ch- If my mom had said something like this, I'm like, this is a dumb tradition you don't have to abide by. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I get, because I have weird stuff I abide by too, you know, and so I'm just like, I get if that's your thing, that's your thing, you know? So, yeah, and so the dad as well, the dad... Alcoholic. You know, in our episode when we talk about downplaying suffering, we talk about how there's ways you communicate in a different language of Cope. your suffering. Yes. Right, and so he drinks and he doesn't blow up. And he's very understanding and he does, he, he's the one who gives the speech. You can't live for yourself. You have to abide by the family. The family says this. Can we, can we talk about how they didn't even want Billy to be there? Oh my God. They didn't want this protagonist in the movie to even be there to say goodbye to her grandmother because they wanted to uphold a lie. Because she was too emotional and too connected to her grandmother. And everything was just so uncomfortable. Like the uh, the uh, rehearsal dinner that they had, how the son like apologized to his mother and they just all lost it eventually. And it was funny to me because and I think this this is how it happens in real life it's like everybody's holding it together until one person is not once one person's not holding it together then somebody else is going to feel brave enough to be because I don't think a lie can handle being in the presence of the truth because then the the truth what is it truth will out it Mm. just kind of comes out and it's so funny so much that like the person who's trying to lie will have contempt for the person who's telling truth. Like it's that bad. But when push came to shove, she did uphold the lie, you know, cause her sense of duty and family is so inherent because nine, I was trying to get the test results cause she had trouble breathing, you know, cause she has lung cancer, stage four lung cancer. And so, so she tried to get the test results directly from the hospital. And so, Billy goes there, gets the test results, and they go Photoshop it to make it say benign shadow. That the extent of the lie, it's just dramatic. Oh, my God. Um, I saw it with my cousin and her husband. He told us that there are people in India who do that, too. Well, and that was the thing we find out later, right? Like, it's a cultural norm in in the culture right Some now parts, to yeah. lie to your elders. Let them live happy. 
you know, because the family carries the burden. The family carries that burden for you. And that's like a philosophical question I'm not ready to deal with in a family comedy dramedy, you know? That just kind of takes us back to that same episode. Like, is, is this it? Is this part of the web of this? Nothing's going on. There's nothing to be sad about. We don't cry. We don't this. We don't talk about what's happening in the family. No, 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 no. And even though you have like the American um, Chinese family being the most emotional other than the son, the Japanese son, they're the ones having quote unquote outbursts, but in the privacy of their family unit. And then you look at little Nainai, Nainai's sister, you find out three quarters of the way through the movie she hasn't lived with her husband in years because she's been taking care of her sister who's been needing to be taken care of since her husband died. Feminist commune. Okay, so there's so much to unpack in this movie. How hilarious. See, this grandmother does not know she's terminally ill. How hilarious was she when they were preparing for the wedding and she was basically like, you sons of bitches would not have anything done if it weren't for me. Obviously, I, I need to take care of this. And when she was like bartering to get the right fish for the wedding. But here it's a little bit melancholy. It's like funny, but you're still sad because you're like, she has all this fight left in her to fight about the intricacies of this wedding because it's the first time her sons have been together in 25 years. Yeah. You know, she knows she's in the twilight of her life and the last time her granddaughter was there, her grandfather was alive and the world is changing rapidly around her. And so she's aware, she's aware of different things about mortality. And they're just, you know, carrying the burden. It's kind of like noises off to me. It was kind of like front of house humor and back of house drama, mm. right? Yes. <laughs> The, the, the whole reason we're bringing this up is because we're able to gab about this movie on end and we could talk about Blinded by the Light even further. We didn't even talk about the sister in that movie a lot and the sister's story is amazing to me. That club scene about going to the brown people club. Oh, I love that so much. It was a brown people club that happened in the middle of the day because that was the only time that they could do it and the parents wouldn't be like, where's Library hours. Yeah, during <laughs> library hours. And what's really funny is, I think it was either Javed or the sister was talking about, here we can be ourselves. Like, we don't need to tell our parents about this. Like, this is the place we go to be ourselves. Or it was the sister, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, it kind of made me sad, too, because I know, you know, she was talking to that boy, and I know Javed saw her talking to the boy, and he was like, patriarchy. You know, it, it was just kind of... It was such a familiar scene. That scene also, the undercurrent there was like, she's like, this is where we can be ourselves. And he's like, I don't fit in here, you know? Yeah. And I feel like to all, shout out all shitty Indians, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all shitty Pakistanis. That's, you know, that's, that's what that, that's it was head a, nod. It was a shitty Pakistani moment. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. And then in. And we say that in solidarity as yes, shitty Indians. Yes. And then um, the farewell there's all this harping about how they don't know how to pronounce or speak properly and, you know, their accent is there or they may not know the customs. And, you know, when you have that, that penultimate breakdown by Aquafina, just like calling her family to task, like this is abhorrent and they explain to her 
cultural norms and all these things. And then the next scene, she's like helping to uphold the lie. It's like the same thing with Javed at that party. It's like the cultural norms will get you. Yeah. Oh you my know? God. Yeah. The yeah. cultural norms will get you. Yeah. That makes me think of Gloria. Um, what's her face? Steinem? Not Steinem. Um, Rhythm is gonna get you. Oh, Estefan. Estefan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, we didn't even so, talk about mu- music in these movies. Oh my god, yes. Ugh. Okay, and the farewells use of like minimal use of English. Oh my god, was yeah. Was everything. And the aria, even the aria, it's like not English, it's Italian. It was Italian. Okay, here's the funny thing is, is um, I died in that scene. And I have to tell you why I died is uh, she was singing Caro Mio Ben, which is from this. I mean, it's one of the Italian songbook songs. And it is basically I'm going to pull the lyrics up right now. But this is first of all, the music is gorgeous, like totally gorgeous when you listen to it. But the translation of the words I'm going to read to you right now. Okay, here's the translation. My dear beloved, believe me at least, without you my heart languishes. Your faithful one always sighs. Cease, cruel one, so much punishment. Mm. I was like the one person in the theater who was like, no, not this song of all song. They were all dying in that, in that moment. They were just crying. And when and and speaking of maybe maybe the most heartbreaking scene is uh, when Billy turns around and they're driving away from the grandmother. I was just oh god, I was yeah. a goner. I mean, the, there's a twist there. Like Lulu Wang kind of turned it on its head because you felt so final. You felt such loss, loss of country, loss of place, loss of childhood, loss of memories, loss of future. You felt loss of love you you just felt that simple driving away you know of as the viewer that was saved for the characters Mm -hmm. that was saved that was that was lulu to keep for herself right Mm -hmm. but and then at the end when when she's practicing tai chi in new york and the birds um fly out of the tree in in china to me when the birds are leaving i'm like that to me that's that symbology was just like oh no nai is gone and and i just love how that's turned on its head you know yeah yeah like when i saw at the very end that grandmother was still alive i went to an article to find out well if she's still alive and this movie's out is the lie still going (laughs) and lulu wang said yes oh my how is that possible with the internet nine oh, doesn't use her phone like that i guess and maybe everybody just doesn't tell her like what if some asshole's like hey are you lulu wang's grandmother you're dying oh like you know what i mean like she'll probably say no i have my hospital reports and says no i think um if you're if you've listened this far we are so sorry we've ruined this movie for you but we will preface and say stop everything watch this movie then talk you know speak to us talk with us even if we don't tell you look for films made by women of color telling stories these are based on true stories they're telling stories of other people of color when we talk about representation matters and you have to make art for yourself they're making art for us so seek it out give it all the money otherwise we won't see it again yeah like oh uh, yeah there's just go see brown art is all i've got to say go see art 
from uh, yeah go see burnout all cultures all cultures because i mean especially since the world is ending and <laughs> and and everybody who as Roxane Gay said, the further you are away from an able-bodied, cisgendered white man, the more marginalized you are. Yeah. So support marginalized voices, uplift where you can, signal boost when necessary, be responsible um, in your consumption of art. You know, and by responsible, I mean be prolific. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah to that. Yes. Until the next movie. This has been Miranda. And Pooja. We came with love and courage, and we hope you go in peace and power. Until next time. Bye.